0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. late night.
2: My heart is pounding and my feet are grounded. I feel like I can dance all over town. It's Christmas time. Oh my my my. What a wonderful time it is for me. I'm internet shopping and mall hopping. Making sure that everyone gets something. It's the time. Oh my, my, my. What a wonderful time it is for me. I love how family and friends get together. The little ones have their hearts and Mommy, Daddy, what did I get? Pieces of cake and Granny's homemade roll Forget about the diet, girlfriend, oh my soul It's Christmas time, oh my, my, my What a wonderful time it is for me And of course the kids are smiling And yes, they're laughing Playing tag and chasing the dog hat it's
1: Oh, my, 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 what a wonderful time it is for me. Hello, divas and dudes. Welcome to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Benedict. Today so we're talking about some of our favorite things as well as topics of diabetes wellness with musical inspiration for Yolanda Adams. Gilad Adams is a Grammy Award-winning artist who has an R&B, who's R&B in heart and gospel in her soul. She loves Christmas music so much, she readily admits that she listens to it year-round. She says Christmas music puts a smile on your face and then gives it back to your spirit and gives you, uh, makes you feel, (laughs) I can't even say it, gets you in the spirit to give and be gracious. I'm so tongue-tied because, like, 20 minutes ago I realized that. This is my last podcast for the decade, not that last ever. Uh, We're approaching our 10-year anniversary in July, but I just wanted to take a minute and uh, reflect. My mind's so clouded because uh, nine years of podcasting is incredible. It's hard to believe that we have been meeting here every month dating back to July 2010 to chat about diabetes, share stories, ask questions, debate new health trends and headlines, play games, and listen to a lot of great music, I think all in an effort to inspire each other to keep our house home by learning how to prevent and delay a complication, and that's all because of my former boss, Mr Vandross, and the stroke he had related to his type 2 diabetes uh, back in 2003. Uh, honestly, so many thoughts come to my mind, but I remember back in Jul- July 2010 uh, when we started that, uh, when we were going to do take on this idea of going from live events to podcasting that I thought uh, we were – my intention was to encourage you to be consistent with your diabetes self-care, that uh, we had to consistently broadcast at the same time each month year after year no matter what no matter what guests come and go no matter what scheduling conflicts I or anyone on our team had or even personal issues and so uh, the heartfelt thanks to all my guests and and uh, everyone who works with me on this podcast that we've done that and uh, I'm just so gracious to all of you and grateful for tuning in every month it's such a big part of my Uh, Experience And this decade I can't really uh, Think about it so I'm just going to move on We'll talk about it later with other guests But right now throughout the podcast we're going to be featuring uh, Music from One of Yolanda Adams' two Christmas Albums entitled What a Wonderful Time This album features five holiday Favorites and five original pieces Relevant relevant for now And for years to come courtesy of Sony Music. Our guests include Janice Rassler, Anthony Fiorello Tonight, Dr. Bart Root Uh, From City of Hope, Know Your Diabetes by Heart, Ambassador Christina Herrera, Elizabeth Gallagher, the world's most famous diabetes alert dog, Tabooli, and our very own Patricia Addy-Gentle. Please take a minute to check out 5 equals 10 men's underwear merchandise. You know, 5 equals 10 is donating 10% of the company profits to Divabetic. Go to divabetic.org for some more details on that. Now let's get back to the music like we've done for the last nine and a half years. Our diva inspiration. Yolanda Adams sang a solo In church at the age of 3 Well, Michael Jackson Was at the ripe old age of 11 When he recorded this song With his brothers Let's listen to Yolanda Adams' version Of the Jackson 5 classic Give Love on Christmas Day Courtesy of Sony Music Why do Diabetes late night. I'm your host, Mr. David Better. For the last last decade, I'm I'm gonna love that. Uh, and you know, managing diabetes is a full time job, and having the right tools can make it a lot easier. Later on the show, we're gonna be sharing some of our favorite things, including the new book, "To The Story of a Heart-Driven Diabetes Alert Dog," to keep you happy and healthy. But first, before I get to my first guest, I wanted to share the top four favorite diabetes late night podcasts of 2019 based on our rating data. Uh, number four, coming in from September, was Diabetes Six Annual Diabetes Mystery Podcast, Gingerbread Prefer Men. Uh, it featured best-selling uh, author time Kathy's Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rose Marie, Chef Robert Lewis, and uh, it was a really fun mad calf culinary misadventure. You should definitely check that out. Number three, Back in March, we had, uh, we broadcast Diabetes Late Night inspired by the rock band Heart, where we discussed the link between diabetes and heart disease. And uh, later on the show, we'll be talking to Christina Herrera, who's part of the No Diabetes by Heart initiative to kind of uh, bring more attention to the link between heart disease and diabetes. Number two is Diabetes Late Night, inspired by Mariah Carey. Uh, We broadcast that back in January. That was based on Mariah's comeback album entitled Caution. Uh, This sparked a conversation about what actions we should take when confronted with the various warning signs related to diabetes health. And coming in as the most popular broadcast of the year, I think I'm going to bring in a special guest for this, um, was our annual Luther Vandrie's Tribute Podcast, which was in April. On the show, we featured former band members uh, of Luthers and vocalists, along with friends and fans, plus my first guest, our very own Patricia addy helping us uh, talk about the link between stroke and diabetes. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Hi, Max. Thanks for having Wow, you weren't only just a part of the number one show, you were a part of all those shows because you've been on the show all year long. And I just want to take a minute and thank you for being a part of the show um, and being a part of this podcast for so many years. Uh, What about this annual podcast do you think really resonated with our listeners?
3: Well, I think there are so many people who just have not recognized the link between the circulatory system and diabetes and when they hear that there is a link and they start putting two and two together it just makes so much sense and they can fathom the thoughts of how it it resonates in the in the body in the mind to put these things together and that diabetes is not like a single disease, but it's a complex thing that, um, and, you know, when blood is traveling throughout the entire body, that there is no part of the body that is um, not being impacted by high blood sugars. So I think that is what makes it so astounding and outstanding um, to a point where it's captured as number one.
1: I agree, and I love the fact that uh, through this podcast we're helping keep the memory as well as the music of Luther Vandross alive. And later on tonight, I have an exclusive, uh, Vandross 2020, the all-star musical tribute to Luther that happens here in New York every year, will go on sale at Joe's Pub for Sunday, October 19th. There's two shows. You can find out more details about this wonderful show featuring his former band members, led under the direction of Nat Alley Jr. and his former vocalists, including Pat Lacey, Alpha Anderson, Cindy Mizell, and, and uh, Brenda White King. Check out all the details at joespub.org. Patricia, uh, before we go on with our first guest, I just want to thank you for being a part of Viva Betic, dating all the way back to 2006 when we first met in Atlanta at the Fox Theater with our outreach program, uh, Make Over Your Diabetes, and for coming in every month and being a part of the show and helping to educate and inform our listeners in a fun new way. And tonight is our thank you because you love gospel music and we're playing Yolanda Adams for you. (laughs) Thank you so much, most definitely. And I
3: just appreciate the opportunity to continue to come month after month. And to have such a legend as Luther Vandross as our inspiration is definitely
1: a plus. So thanks to you for having me. All right, and you'll be back a little bit later, go through all our favorite things with me uh, to keep keep people happy and healthy. We should just remind people, uh, Patricia, that all our podcasts, there's over 175, are available for free, on demand, anytime, anywhere, at iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Thanks again for being a part of the show, and we'll talk to you a little bit later. Thanks. Straight ahead, we're talking about finding the cure for type 1 diabetes. Hey, now wouldn't that be a fabulous Christmas gift? I'm willing to trade in all my gifts for that. Uh, joining me to discuss this topic is the City of Hope researcher, Dr. Bart Group. Hello, Dr. Group. How are you tonight?
4: Great. Thanks very much.
1: Uh, this is exciting news. I'm anxious to talk, uh, for you to tell my listeners about the possibility of a cure for type 1 diabetes. But first, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about uh, what you found in your research that causes type 1 diabetes.
4: Yeah, that has been a journey uh, that I've been on for more than 30 years, unfortunately, but uh, th- there is some very recent insight that it's not just a, a problem of the immune system that is attacking the cells that make insulin, it's actually also the cells that make insulin themselves, the beta cells in the in the islets of Langerhans. So uh, they're actually crying for, for help by the immune system and the immune system is responding to it. And that's important insight because that means if you want to cure you should not just focus on the immune system you should also uh, make uh, islets happy again and, and make uh, beta cells make insulin again so that is an, an incredibly important uh, new insight.
1: And how do you how did you go about this research? Like how are you um, I'm just curious what the study what involved, what was involved in this study?
4: Yeah, so, so I, I've been working mostly, I'm an immunologist, I work on the immune system. I've been always trying to find out uh, which uh, component of the immune system was uh, making a mistake and why, uh, to come to the conclusion that it's actually not making a mistake and actually responds with good intentions to, to you know, clear up tissue that is in trouble or is stressed. Uh, as would happen in in case of infection or in case of cancer So I actually think the immune system is trying to go do a good thing except it is uh, Removing the source of insulin, which is a bad thing. So to avoid this whole thing from happening If you make beta cells happy again uh, the immune system is no longer interested in those uh, cells and they have a chance to survive so that is the you know, the, the the mantra that we're working on to see that we can change the course of events and, and preserve beta cells and possibly even cure uh, people with type 1 diabetes. Because what we also have learned as a kind of bonus is that the majority of people with type 1 diabetes still have beta cells, even if you cannot measure their insulin uh, anymore. Uh, so it is becoming even more urgent to protect those cells and uh, and uh, preserve a source of insulin that may prevent complications and so forth. So what are
1: you thinking going down the path? Like walk us into the future. Are people are you are you thinking the research is going to lead to people uh, being able to regenerate uh, beta cells, or just protect the ones they still have, or? Uh, strengthen and strengthen the ones they have? Like, where do you see this going? Well, that's
4: a great question, and you gave all the right answers. It's actually all of the above. Uh, We we think that if you can um, uh, stop the immune attack, um, you know, close the tap, then you can start mopping, and and that's exactly what we're trying to do. So uh, avoid the uh, immune system to attack the beta cells, but also give beta cells a new chance and also a chance to regenerate. And there is not a lot known about this yet because this is all still very early on. But I'm pretty optimistic that we can um, uh, reverse uh, the situation um, uh, and 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 make make patients make insulin again. Whether well, that's enough to not have to inject anymore, that's Another question, but the fact that if you would have a minimal source of insulin, it will really reduce your chances to develop complications to almost uh, zero is a very, very important uh, step forward. If we can do it earlier in the disease, then we probably still have sufficient numbers of beta cells left that we could get engaged. To start making insulin again. That is, and that has happened already. There have been people already being cured from type 1 diabetes. Not many people know this, but for more than 14 years, as we speak, uh, by by uh, just stopping the attack on the immune system. So that means that people have a source of insulin. They, they, those cells are just not working. I call it hibernating. They try to avoid being attacked and they kind of shut down, which is magic by itself. But, but it does change the game considerably. Uh, you know, all the textbooks are kind of wrong in saying that people get diagnosed at a time that 90% of the beta cells are destroyed. That's actually not the case. So that that creates opportunities.
1: And um, talk a little, so how, when do they get diagnosed? Like, what's the percentage of beta cells lost or not being uh, fully effective or attacking that would push me into a type 1 diagnosis?
4: Yeah, this, so this is the big mystery. And we only came to find out when JDRAF uh, started to to uh, have a big consortium called ANPOL to collect um, uh, organs of people with diabetes who died, and unfortunately that, that, that is a tragedy on its own, but at least it gives us the opportunity to finally look at where all the action is, which is in the pancreas. And only then we found out that e- even young children at the age of 10 that died a few months after diagnosis because of their hyperglycemia, they had almost half of their beta cells still there we know from islet transplantation that you only need 10% to cure somebody so there is something really mysterious going on that at, at the time that you know, you know a vital source of hormone like insulin is attacked by the immune system those cells basically shut down and i kind of feel that they're trying to hide from this and, and to, to protect this source but but it's 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 shocking to know that you can almost die of insulin shortage and yet have sufficient capacity to, to make the insulin. So that is a, a new uh, a subject of our, our current studies.
1: I know, it's fascinating. Now, uh, switching to top topics so in the time we have left, tell me a little bit about the research you're doing on the intersection between diabetes and cancer, Dr. Roop.
4: All right. So um, uh, I actually think that um, there is nothing wrong with the immune system of people with diabetes. I think they have the best immune system in the world. In fact, they have the immune system that cancer patients are lacking, that cancer patients would be loving to have to fight their cancers because the immune system of people with type 1 diabetes is surveilling for unhappy tissue and dealing with that. And that's what should have happened in cancer. And you may know that cancer and, and diabetes are two sides of the same coin. Eh? You get cancer if your immune system is not good enough in, in getting rid of the cancer. Um, so if there's not enough immune response, you can get cancer. If, if there's too much of it, you can get type 1 diabetes. Now, what I'm trying to do is uh, a kind of different from what we have been doing so far in the world, and that is not to suppress the immune system, not to bombard it into submission, but to negotiate with it, to talk with the immune system and teach how to do it right, since. Since I feel that patients with diabetes have the best immune system, and so that we do by make a new vaccine that we developed, and it actually uh, uh, some early um, evidence shows that it it uh, the vaccination helps to uh, get the immune system uh, in check again and not attack uh, the beta cells. So that is a very exciting new step, and all the other. Uh, strategies from the past in any autoimmune disease, be it cancer, MS, diabetes, we always gave medication to suppress it, but that can give you a higher risk to developing cancer, which is exactly what we see after islet transplantation, for example, when we have to uh, add uh, give drugs to the patient that suppress the immune system to avoid rejection and recurrence of the disease. So, so. This is a new way now we're not suppressing it and not giving cancer a chance. We're telling the immune system, teaching it, educating it how to do it right.
1: You're blowing me away. I mean I'm so thrilled that you're on the show today because you're actually making this uh something that I can understand, and I read People magazine, not science <laughs> magazine so i have i just where could other where if our listeners want to find out more about this? Can they go and tell us a little bit of City of Hope before you uh, we finish the interview?
4: All right. Well, City of Hope is a strange place, and I've only been there for three years, but it has some kind of best kept secret. It has a long legacy in diabetes. It's the place where synthetic insulin was first discovered. So until 1980, we were injecting ourselves with insulin from from uh, uh, pigs or from, from, uh, from cattle. Uh, and now we can make it in the lab synthetically. Uh, it's also the birthplace of uh, uh, of HBA1C, of uh, we, where we uh, finally understood how insulin works, the insulin receptor. It's it's really bizarre. Um, and now we're taking it to the next level. Understanding disease is one thing, but we really don't want to cure the symptoms with with insulin. We want to. Actually, target its cause, and that is by uh, uh, you know making eyelids happy and uh, doing um, immunotherapy. So that is kind of the 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 way that we uh, we, we uh, deal with this at City of Hope. And if you want to follow this, it's it's pretty easy. We have a wonderful website, uh, City of Hope, and we have a program uh, that is uh, sponsored by generously by the Wanock family from Wisconsin and they help us to really accelerate our our strategies uh, to to stop the attack on the beta cells uh, and and help us cure type 1 diabetes so if you go to the Wanock family project then you can find all the the new exciting developments in this field, and it's exciting to all of us. I mean, we, we did not expect that we would have these opportunities, but we're so delighted that we got a chance to now finally change the course of events in people with diabetes to say it's no longer incurable. There is light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Well, that's the best news yet for the holidays. Thank you so much, Dr. Robin City of Hope for joining us tonight and being a part of Diabetes Late Night in December. Right now, we're going to go back to the music and talk a little bit about our diva inspiration, who had an astounding performance when she did a cover of Anita Baker's hit song "You Bring Me Joy" at the 2018 BET Awards. Trust me, you want to go to YouTube right now, along with Dr. Roop, and and check out that video. But here's an original song off her "What a Wonderful Time" album, courtesy of Sony Music, entitled "Just Because." Let's listen.
2: Can remember. I've looked forward to this very special day. Not really thinking that some people can't wait till this day comes and goes away. But How it's to be.
1: Oh, just because, because you're you. just the Welcome back to Viby's Late Night. I'm your host Mr. De Beekck. I'm to tell you Yolanda Adams does not disappoint on that album if you're looking for some big band jazzy renditions, unoriginal tunes, Check out What a Wonderful Time by Yolanda Adams. You know, tonight we're shining the spotlight on our favorite things. I guess that's one of them in diabetes wellness, including our favorite topics. So I thought uh, we were going to include your favorite topics from Diabetic Blog for 2019. These are the most Googled things you want from Divabetic, Uh And the first, the biggest topic... Uh, was Mariah Carey's alleged gastric sleeve surgery back in 2017. People are still talking about this because they're so confused why someone like Mariah Carey would have weight loss surgery intervention. Again, it's alleged. She's never really claimed it, but it's been on Wendy Williams and everywhere else. And so we were talking about it and talking to experts about why or why not you may choose to have that surgery. Check that out on the blog. Also, people were checking out Christy Brinkley's Skinny Champagne, which retails for $16 a pop. Uh, she, she launched a whole organic line of Prosecco and claimed they had zero sugar, all bubbles in her champagnes uh, available, like I said, for $16 a pop across the country. And the healthy diabetic, Chef Robert Lewis, who is a uh, cast member on our annual podcast, his favorite healthy hot dog topping recipes back in July was as popular as another post on the four stages you experienced before a heart attack. That's a great topic to talk about later on with my guest, Christina Herrera, who's one of the ambassadors of no diabetes by heart. Um, The other three major topics from the year, which coincidentally relate conversations I've had over the years with my next guest. She's an award-winning diabetes educator, author, marriage and family therapist, plus her Dear Janet's Nutrition and Health column in Diabetes Positive magazine was read for years by patients in waiting rooms throughout the U.S. Well, those three hot topics were cigarettes and Viagra don't mix, number two, Two sodas a day could double the risk of diabetes. She tweeted about that. I retweeted it, and then we blogged about it, and you guys read it. And finally, this one was very high on the list. Uh, This is actually right below Christy Brinkley, to be honest. Can I lose sensation in my clitoris and vagina? So uh, with that note, I'd like to introduce you to Janice Rossler. Hello, Janice.
5: Max! How are you? It's so funny. I'm, I'm I good. Know. I'm
1: always, you know, always glad to talk about uh, sexual intimacy issues with you and diabetes, and apparently our listeners enjoy it not only on the podcast, but then they go back and read these articles on the blog. So uh, thank you for always being willing to talk about this topic. And we should tell everyone you've got several books about this topic. Uh, a little later on we're going to tell where they could get them and some exciting news you have happening in in uh, Valentine's Day, right? With the release of a new yes. book?
5: Yes, yes. I do have a new book coming out, intimacy and diabetes, and we can talk about that later. But uh happy to chat right, so about I Chris Christy Brinkley, I suppose. Is that who we're no, no, no. Anyway. Uh,
1: well, let's start well, you know, with the cigarette and Viagra don't mix. You and I have talked about this topic before and I think this is hitting uh home with our listeners because there's such a link between diabetes and erectile dysfunction. Is that right, and can you explain a little bit about that and why cigarettes and Viagra might not be the perfect combination?
5: Well, we, what we know is in order to have a good, a good and healthy erection, a man needs to have good blood flow and good nerve communication from his brain to his genitals. And when a person is smoking, we know that that affects blood flow, because that kind of tightens up the uh, blood vessels and can create problems. And one thing that we do know is if a person has erectile dysfunction and they stop smoking, there is a real chance that if they've had erection problems that they could either reverse or get considerably better because the smoking has such a strong effect. Now the thing about Viagra not a lot has been written about combining the two, Viagra and um, and um, cigarette smoking, but they have different actions, kind of opposite actions. So we know that the cigarette smoking kind of tightens up the blood vessels, and the Viagra is supposed to kind of loosen up the blood vessels and cre- and help blood flow better. So. The issue is, will they cancel each other out? And in some people, the um, Viagra has been less effective because it's, it's fighting with the cigarette smoking, the nicotine. Um, some people have had success, but others have not. So it's all on a case case-by-case basis, but certainly it's something to pay attention to.
1: And I want to ask you. I would think uh, you you've been a diabetes educator for years. You won uh, the educator award of the year award from the American Association of Diabetes Educators. Uh, I would think uh, a big reason motivator to want to manage my diabetes would be to keep my erection. But then there's a part of me that thinks that if you if when men find out that they might be dealing with erectile dysfunction because they're they're their diabetes it would be surprising do you think a lot of men understand the connection between diabetes and erectile dysfunction
5: no a lot don't and the reason for that is that there's so many topics as you know that you've talked about on your show there's so many things that get discussed when a person is first diagnosed you've got to talk about their blood sugar levels you have to talk about testing perhaps you know checking their blood You have to talk about medications, and then there's exercise, and checking your feet, and on and on and on, and the topic of sex doesn't often come up. It certainly doesn't come up on the first go-round, and so it takes a while before that discussion even happens. But one thing that we know is that there is a very, very strong connection between a man's blood glucose, blood sugar level, his average level, which we refer to as the A1C, um, with his blood sugar health and his ability to have um, an uh, 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 erection that, he, that is comfortable for him, that's good enough to have intercourse. And we, we know that if he um, improves his lifestyle, makes some decisions, to make different food choices, medicine if necessary, regular physical activity, and his blood sugar, his average blood sugar level, the A1C, improves, then there's a really good chance that his erections will improve. There really is a relationship between how healthy you are in terms of your diabetes and how well you can get an erection. And that's really cool to know because men who don't take their diabetes very seriously um, and maybe their eyes glaze over when they meet with their diabetes educator or physician, uh, as soon as you say, hey, do you realize that if you're already having problems with your erections, if you take better care of your diabetes, there's a good chance that's going to improve all of a sudden these guys, you know, their ears perk up, their eyes open, they're like, whoa, tell me more, tell me more. And the thing is, it's true. There really, really is a very, very strong relationship between your getting your blood sugar in a healthy range and being able to have an erection.
1: That's great advice. I love that people are, are um, if, they're not, if they're uncomfortable talking about it with their doctor, at least they're reading about it and hopefully they're, this information tonight all right so the other there's two more things i want to talk about so this next one this is really close to my heart two sodas a day to double your risk of diabetes we you know we see all these kind of headlines these spins on health topics in the media all the time it's always hard to know uh you know more women over 50 are more likely to be in a, in a plane crash than they are to get married and that's not a health one but you know what i'm talking about yeah. Uh, you blogged about this and you, and you tweeted about this. Uh, tell us a little bit about this particular thing. I assume it's two sugar-sweetened sodas a day could double the risk of diabetes.
5: Well, so here's the interesting thing. Yes, that's the piece about sugar-sweetened ones. So then people read that and they go, oh, easy peasy. I'm just going to switch to the diet stuff. But research is also showing that diet sodas can increase um, the risk of developing diabetes. And that became a puzzle because we know that if you drink sugar-containing sodas um, or pop, if you're from the Midwest like I am, um, then you figure, okay, you're going to gain calories, you're going to gain weight, you're going to gain belly fat, and that certainly increases your risk of having type 2 diabetes because the more you weigh, the greater your risk of having um, just, you know, that whole issue that triggers the type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance. So that makes sense. Gain weight, you know, higher risk. But what's the story with this diet stuff? Big surprise. And scientists are puzzled about what that relationship is, what some have thought is that the body misunderstands how many, you know, what's going on when they drink. When you drink a diet soda, your body gets a little bit fooled thinking that there's a sweet taste, there's maybe there's some calories, or it misunderstands it and feels that it's getting satisfied, then suddenly goes, you know, hey, where's the calories? And then you begin to crave food, and people start to eat more so in other words it may trigger you to eat more because you've kind of tricked your brain that's one theory that's been tossed around another one is that it might be the additional uh, different ingredients that are actually in sodas such as the, um, the coloring the caramel coloring uh, that might be a possibility or the phosphoric acid which is something that's also in soda Maybe. We don't know. We just don't know. But we think that it might be something to do with soda. You know, it might be affecting hormones. It might be whatever. But we are finding that if you drink, um, you know, approximately two cups a day, your risk goes up significantly. Um, And diet soda went up 67 percent. So, you know, the risk of developing diabetes. So uh, I mean, two the,
1: cups
5: a day is a sixteen ounce soda right, that's right, that's right two I two sodas a day, yes, yeah, well, so, can I make a shameless what?
1: plug Can I make a shameless plug before we do the sure. final topic that um one of our favorite things this year to quench your thirst, which I had actually before I had the diet soda, yeah. is Hint water, we're going to be talking about that later on, but <laughs> mm. I love Hint water, it's a Dummy. zero calorie water with. Butte infusion, my favorite. Well, I'll reveal my favorite flavor uh, later on the show. We're going to have a special guest. But um, that's good. I mean, it's interesting. I I heard some of this has to do with gut bacteria. We'll have to have you back on to talk more about this topic again. But finally, I know uh, this is a really big topic. This is, uh, I think, I'm sure a lot of people think it's too provocative, but can I lose sensation in my clitoris and vagina? Is this true, this, this was really like number four of the all-time top posts in 2019. Again, I think people are afraid to talk about these things, but they're not afraid to Google them. So I'm curious uh, your, th- your thoughts on this. Can they well, lose sensation wait, in their and vagina due to their, their diabetes?
5: It isn't the most common com- sexual complaint that we have. Um, that In order for that to happen, a woman would have to have um, nerve damage and blood flow damage, blood flow issues. And uh, many women start to lose interest or lose um, the quality of their orgasm and their responsiveness because of depression, not because of nerve damage or blood flow damage. Depression and women's, um, women who have diabetes with sexual dysfunction. That's really the main thing we see. It's the emotional piece. It's relationship issues. It's not feeling good about who you are. Having blood sugar swings that really get you feeling, um, feeling down. And we find that it will more likely, uh, you'll have depression related difficulties in the kind of you know vulva vaginal area that will affect your ability to to enjoy sex long before any type of clitoral damage from 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 nerve issues or blood flow issues. So we what we do is we look to um, uh, emotional health, uh, self-esteem, communication, Depression, we, uh, treating depression in a variety of ways with, uh, with exercise, with um, medication, with um, really improving blood sugar so it doesn't have so many swings because that can cause it also, that can really be wreak havoc with a, with a person's moods, that's what we look to first. So if you're starting to have some challenges in that area, really, you know, explore those things, explore your relationship, how you communicate, how you feel about yourself. Those things are really where we go to first, but also since nerve damage and blood flow issues are often related to high blood sugar levels that are sustained over a long period of time, not just a high once in a while or a high for a few hours or a high for one day, that's not going to do it. It's really sustained over a a significant period of time. Really work on, on dealing with your diabetes and helping to get your blood sugar into a healthy range so you limit the damage that it can cause. But yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of uh challenging things can happen if you ignore your diabetes. There's actually one story I used to say to my clients, to my patients. Diabetes is really like a a, a big tiger with sharp teeth growling. If you take care of it and you do treat it the way it needs to be treated, it's going to go in the corner and lie down and not bother you. But if you ignore it, it's going to come out and it's going to m- make a lot of trouble.
1: I agree. But, you know, in the last minutes of the interview, um, what you just talked about, I want to touch on about this depression because we were going to talk about the holidays in dealing with a depression. And I would just think going back to this whole thing from a uh, intimacy standpoint, there's a lot of expectations right now about, getting it on with someone uh, through the holidays. You know, people warm up to that, and, of course, New Year's Eve is coming, and so, you know, fireworks aren't just supposed to happen outside. This is supposed to happen in the bedroom. So I, I would think that uh, this, these thoughts uh, or insecurities rather uh, around either erectile dysfunction or lack of sensation or personal dryness that are prohibiting or, discouraging me or just losing my interest in intimacy would be double fold for people right around now in the holiday season you are a licensed family therapist I'm just curious is is this something that people are talking about and if they are how do do you give them the same advice you just gave a few minutes ago about kind of learning your body again and finding other other ways to find pleasure uh, to derive pleasure besides intimacy
5: well, definitely, but you know, in addition to being a marriage, at... I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
5: well, in addition to being a marriage and family,
1: I gave you a family... worth
5: of That's okay. In addition to being a marriage and family therapist, believe it or not, I am uh, soon to be a certified sex therapist. That's happening in about two months. So keeping, I, I keep growing in that area. Uh, you know what? The the holiday season is a tough one because of all the pressures friendship pressures, uh, company pressures, the pressures we put on ourselves, the pressures we put on our relationships, and, yes, sexual pressures also, performance pressures. So what I like to encourage people to do is first don't assume anything. Don't assume if you think that someone wants something, if you think that they want help, or, or if you want something, don't assume. Assume that someone knows what you need. We are not mind readers, and if any of you are really legitimate mind readers, I would love to meet you because uh, most of us are not. So uh, don't assume. Be very clear about what your needs are. And if there's something that someone else needs, ask. If you think they need it, ask. And if you need something, don't assume that they're going to guess and that actually works in the bedroom as well. Each one of us is responsible for our own orgasm. So if you're in a sexual encounter with someone, don't stay quiet and just assume that your partner's going to know what you like. Everyone's different. Uh, either tell your partner or move their hands to where you want them to be or demonstrate on them. Communicate. Don't just assume you're going to be disappointed, there's going to be pressure, you're going to feel uh, used. Who knows how you'll feel, but you're not going to necessarily be satisfied or happy. So assuming can be a dangerous thing. The other thing, too, is take care of yourself. The one example I like to give is that whole example when you get on the airplane and they say, um, adults, please put your seatbelts on first and then help a child or then help another person. We can't help other people unless we feel good unless we're well rested unless our blood sugar's in a good place. Take care of yourself first so you can give to others, and that happens in the bedroom also be take good care of treating yourself right, of feeling good, buying yourself some nice lingerie taking a nice bath, putting on the cologne you love, feeling good, feeling like you're bringing your best self to your romance, and then you're in a, you will more likely be in a, in a good mood in order to share with someone else. Also, watch the alcohol. Alcohol increases desire but decreases performance. A little bit is probably not an issue, but if you have too much, your blood sugar is likely to take a real quick dive, and then you're really not going to feel well. Also, alcohol can decrease a man's ability to have an erection, a healthy erection, and um, you know, and you may actually fall asleep in the middle, and that doesn't go over well. Um, so those are a few things that uh, that I like to share. And really try to find out what you like, communicate, and just enjoy the holidays. Uh, also, be aware of HALT. I love that H A L T. Those are four letters that represent the most common things that get us off track. H is that we're hungry. When you're hungry, you Don't always make the best decisions. You're not always in the best mood. You overreact to people when they don't treat you the way you want to be treated. puts you in a bad spot. A is angry. If you feel that you're angry, if someone let you down or something went wrong in your holiday preparations or you had an expectation because you assumed something and you're mad, take some time out, go somewhere quiet, breathe Slow your body down, calm yourself down, and then rejoin humanity because it will be easier for you to interact and communicate with everyone and to understand what's going on. L is loneliness, big lonely time around the holidays. Try to be with people you love. If you don't have anyone special in your life, romantically get together with friends. When people are lonely, their depression can kick in. They can feel really down. And then that creates a whole cycle of not feeling well and, you know, on and on. And the final one is tired. If you're tired, it is really hard. Think of how patient you are when you're exhausted. You lose your patience. You snap at people. It can really affect your relationships. Be good to yourself. Go to bed early when you can. Nurture yourself. Bubble bath therapy for everybody. And, and really enjoy the holidays coming from a healthy and good place.
1: I love it. You've got some big advice coming up. I mean, a big announcement coming up for Valentine's Day. You have, tell us a little bit about diabetes and intimacy. And uh, I know you're going to come back in February, uh, <laughs> but, but tell us, give, our, give our audience a sneak peek.
5: Quick sneak peek. I'm thrilled to announce that I have a new book coming out with, uh, that I wrote with Donna Rice. My co-author, and who I write with often, and she is um, uh, together. The American Diabetes Association is publishing their first ebook, and so it'll be downloadable. It's called Intimacy and Diabetes. It has a lot of fun stuff to do in there, including recipes with um, aphrodisiac in, um, ingredients, and a lot of fun. And so that's great. And uh, really, I think that uh, you know, I look forward to coming back in February so everyone can can have their chance to look at it to prepare for Valentine's Day.
1: Well, and the other thing was, and, and then I'm going to let you go, Jess, because we've got a big show for this uh, going on tonight. <laughs> um, it, you also have same-sex couples in this new book, which I think is phenomenal. We in do. The next I'm second, thrilled. I we have to do. spend more time talking to the LGBTQ community, which I'm part of, related to diabetes. So that that is really spectacular news. I can't wait to talk to you more about that. And thank you for doing that and adding us to that book. I think it's uh, so valuable and so worthwhile. I truly appreciate it.
5: We're thrilled. It it uh, th- We demanded it. We said we refused to publish it unless we could include everyone. And we took out a lot of, uh, um, you know, we tried to make it as gender-neutral as we could. Some medical things are, cannot be gender-neutral, but we really wanted to take a lot of gender bias out. We know people perceive themselves in a variety of ways, and we want to embrace everyone. So we're thrilled that uh, the American Diabetes Association um, felt very positive about supporting that goal. So we're thrilled. I
1: love it. And hopefully the the Hallmark channel is listening, too, and we gave a couple of Christmas specials based on, <laughs> same couple love stories too but in the meantime that's favorite things for 2021 uh it's that time of year when diva better releases their favorite things list for 2019 how are we going to do that i think we should do it musically janice so i thought we'd play this jazzy rendition of rogers and hammerstein's uh, sound and music Hits favorite things by yolanda adams courtesy of sony music We've we waited long enough for the list. Uh, I've got a couple of special, uh, special guests coming up. but Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. Wow, I'm losing my mind today. I'm having so much fun. Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Dibetek. I guess I have been for the last nine and a half years. Managing your diabetes as a full-time job and having the right tools, resources, foods, and drinks to help make it easier is important. That's why we're sharing our highlights. Here's what I'm talking about on my list this year. Uh, when, you get it, when you get enough sleep makes a difference, especially when you're managing your blood sugar. The more alert you are during the day, the more energy, less stress, and overall better mindset you have for coping with those unexpected ups and downs. That's why Philip's wake-up light alarm clock is at the top of my list. The alarm clock stimulates sunrise and sunset for both easier waking and a nudge to go to bed on time. The red-tinted light stimulates dusk and the dawn and tricks the body into better sleep. Also, we know that people with diabetes have an increased risk of developing foot problems, so wearing shoes rather than going barefoot even around the house can reduce the risk of an unexpected infection. Why not do it in style? Cashmere faux fur slides are soft, warm slippers available in four fun colors, even for teens. They're $24. And get this, Intellect's Warmy Slippers are fully microwavable plush soft slippers filled with dried French lavender to provide soothing warmth and comfort. They're only twenty nine ninety five on Amazon. Finally, if you're going to be warm, you better have something to drink. And that's why Hint Water is also on our favorite things list. And here to talk about that with me is Hint Water's New York regional manager, Anthony Fiorello. Hello, Anthony.
6: Hey, Max. A long time no talk. How are I you? Know, Actually, it's, so it's only been a couple of months. It show. hasn't been that long.
1: Hi, we got to see you at Clued In earlier this year, our Derby's and Heart Escape Room Experience. It's coming back in 2020 on uh, Diabetes Alert Day, March 24th here in New York City. Uh, but let's talk about Hint because people love this product. I love this product. What makes this product so special?
6: Okay, so um I guess we can start by getting into a little bit of the history. Um so Cara Golden, who's our CEO and Fearless Leader, she's like my second mom. Love her to death. Um she started the company back in two thousand five. Um she was at AOL previously and um you know, she said that um that she got to the point in her life where she had just had her third kid. Um, she was exhausted all the time. She said that she weighed more than she wanted to weigh and was really trying to change her lifestyle up to lose weight and just couldn't do it. Um, you know, she wasn't happy with, with the way her skin looked, with the way she looked. So uh, she's trying to figure out what what the issue is and how she can make some positive lifestyle changes. And uh, you know, Carol will tell you if you talk to her about her background and her story that she was addicted to Diet Coke. And I think she said she drank like 10, at least 10 cans a day, sometimes more than that. Um, so the the major change in her life came when she gave up the Diet Coke. And she said that, you know, just by making that change, uh, primarily, you know, a few other things that she lost 45 pounds in three months, which is huge. Um, and that's basically just by changing her, her drinking habits and cutting out that Diet Coke. And her and I are very similar. Everybody knows you need to drink water. Everybody knows that you know the standard eight glasses a day is what we should be drinking to keep ourselves healthy and and our brains working the way they should and our bodies working the way they should, keeping hydrated. But I am so bored to death with water. If you give me a bottle of Poland Spring, I will struggle to finish that bottle of water. And Kara is the same way. So at Hint, you know, we try to take water, which is as been uh deemed boring by a lot of people, and we try to make it delicious but without adding sugar sweeteners, a big thing in the industry now you see a million different beverages and and all of them have um some sort of gimmick to them well not all of them but but most of them do, and a lot of it, if it's not sugar, it's sweeteners or some you know hot trend uh additive of the week, you know, some flavor of the week that's a fly-by-night thing. So we don't do any of that. So Hint just uses fruit essences in our water. That's the only thing we put in our water. Um, so you get a little bit of the fruit flavor. It, it tastes like you put a couple slices of fruit in your water, and that's how Kara started the company. She was adding, um, slicing up fruit, adding it to water, and when people came over in her house, friends and family tried it, they said, hey, you know, this is really good. And she thought, you know what, I can bottle this and sell it. And so she did that. our first client was uh Whole Foods, and Kara has said that she made a bunch of bottles of of the first hint water and they sold out in uh i think a day at whole foods and they were the first retailer that partnered with us, and we've exploded ever since you know we're in every major supermarket basically in the country. We're in a lot of small markets now as well, mom and pops um a lot of food eateries, fast casual restaurants, and we're just changing the way people um choose their beverages and live healthier lifestyles, you know, day by day.
1: I love it. And we should tell everyone it's also, um, okay, so watermelon's my favorite. You've got apple. Let's go through the flavors. And then you also have carbonation now too, which is something that I love. When you give up a diet soda, sometimes you have that thirst for carbonation.
6: Yeah, so – our top six flavors, um, in no particular order, but I'll try to order them as as best as I last remember our sales skews being um, and best selling. It's watermelons number one. Um blackberries number two. number three is pineapple, um cherry number four. Then we have a new lemon flavor that's absolutely amazing. It's probably my favorite now. Um, and then we also have flavors like strawberry kiwi. Crisp apple, pomegranate, raspberry, uh, mango is a relatively new flavor as well. We have mango, grapefruit. We have a ton of flavors. You could find them all on drinkhint.com if you're interested in learning more about the flavor offerings that we have. But we also do have a carbonated version, our Hint Sparkling. Um, we have a number of different flavors, uh, cherry, blackberry, watermelon, grapefruit, uh, strawberry, kiwi. We actually have seasonal flavors. We have peppermint, which is Amazing, um, if you're in the festive holiday spirit, you want to try something a little different. We have ginger also, uh, and then we do special limited time run flavors called hint um, <clears throat> mashups, and those are available on our website as well. You can check those out. Um, if you join the mailing list, we actually send out emails whenever we have limited time flavors, and once they're gone, they're pretty much gone so uh, that's definitely something if you're interested in trying out some some cool new uh, beverages without the sugar, or the sweeteners, uh, definitely check that out. And we also launched um, little Tetra packs. They're called Hint Kids, geared more towards children. And uh, from what we've seen in the market with feedback, kids are absolutely crazy for the Hint Kids. I don't, I don't want to say juice boxes. I say water boxes, but technically they're in what is deemed the juice box, but they're Tetra packs. So they're, um, you know, the paper juice box type of packs, um, and those are really good, too. It's basically Hint water, but just in a smaller size that kids uh, could drink out of. It's a lot more kid friendly It's got the little straw and everything, so that's been going really well also. And it's not water-related or diabetes-related, um, but we also have sunscreen that doesn't um, have oxybenzone in it. We launched that two years ago about, and uh, you could buy it online. We're in some retailers also. And we just launched our deodorant. So we're becoming more of a a lifestyle company. It's all about living a healthy lifestyle in all aspects. Water is obviously our number one, and it starts with the core of your body, and you need to stay hydrated with stuff other than the garbage that's lined up in the sugary soda aisles and juice aisles of the supermarket. And then we also have other products to complement that. And I
1: want to stop you because – Not only do you sell this, but you also walk the talk because you, uh, you know, are promoting along with me tonight that uh, a water without, you know, a good-tasting water that doesn't have preservatives, doesn't have sweeteners or sugar in it, could help you make a transformation in your life and might be the first step to really taking uh, charge of your health, your diabetes health. And I want you to share your personal story because I, I do think, like one of the things that draws me to hint so much and why I love partnering with you is just because you're so inspiring, uh, in what you've been able to accomplish. And I think our listeners would really value from hearing how some small footsteps have made you have a big transformation. So just talk a little bit about that for a minute.
6: Sure. So before I worked at Hintwater, I worked at L'Oreal and there was a, a desk job, um, I'm a lot more into promoting water than I was into... I think I had hair color and fake eyelashes were um, the the markets that I was in control of on the marketing team over at L'Oreal. So I'm a little more into this um, than I was that. I did color my hair for the longest time, but I wasn't really into it when I uh, when I was working at L'Oreal. Um, but I was at... When I started Hint, I was 192 pounds, which is the heaviest I was in my entire life. And that doesn't seem like a lot and I'm sure some people are listening like oh man I wish I could be you know 192 pounds but I'm five foot eight um that was clinically putting me into the obese category and I felt like garbage um so one of the things that I realized I had to do was I had to give up my sweets habit and uh not only drinking so I did I do enjoy uh root beers and orange sodas I drank a lot more back when I started with Hint. So that was the first thing I cut out. And I, like I said previously, I can't drink regular water. So when I was at L'Oreal, I actually picked up a bottle of Hint Water before I even knew what the company was about, just at the bagel store by my house. And I drank it and I was like, oh, you know what? This is pretty good. You know, it's just, uh, I haven't seen anything like this. I'm trying to be healthier. It's the only reason I bought the Hint Water and I really liked it. And it didn't have any of the sugar, the sweeteners, but I was addicted to sugar. I'm talking donuts. Cookies, candy. I ate sugar all the time. After I ate anything, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I always said to myself, "Oh, I got to finish it off with something sweet." So the first thing I did was I didn't go cold turkey because it's really hard to cut out sugar cold turkey because it's sort of like a drug to you. You know, you're you get addicted to the stuff. Um, but I cut it out a lot. I still had my treats once in a while. I tried to cut it down to one time a day, and I started drinking nothing but water or Hint water. um, And I actually ended up losing in three months. I lost about 38 pounds. And uh, before that, my doctor said to me, you know, I did blood work every six months. And he said, listen, you're getting to the point of being pre-diabetic. And then I went back three months later and he said, okay, so this is what's happening. You're probably next time we do another blood test, you're probably going to be type two diabetic and we need to start talking about how you're going to deal with this for the rest of your life. And that scared the living S out of me, if you know what I'm saying, because right. I said, I can't, I can't believe I got myself to this point just based on my eating and drinking habits. Then now I have to live with, you know, something chronic for the rest of my life. Cause it is very, you can reverse type two, my doctor said, but I know that it's kind of hard. I, I know a lot of people who have been type two diabetic for a very long time. Um, and I did not want to get to that point. So, you know, within a couple of months I made major lifestyle changes and, and I got that, you know, my numbers down to a normal level. I've fluctuated. I've crept back to almost being type two again based on snacking and, you know, you go on a couple of vacations and then you don't really care what you eat, but I've always leveled myself back and gotten back into eating and drinking healthier. And Hint Water has definitely helped me stay on track. And, and avoid the problems of type 2 diabetes.
1: Well, thank you so much again for partnering with Diabetic over the years with Sandros, with Clued In, and even recently we were at Halloween on one of the most iconic streets in New York promoting healthy drinking to uh, kids and their families, and it was sensational. And I'm uh, just looking forward to partnering more with you in the coming years. So thanks for being one of our favorite things. You can see the rest of Diabetic's favorite things for 2019 on the DivaBetic blog. Uh, I'm sure, Anthony, you love music as much as I do. Our diva inspiration, Yolanda Adams, uh, has a little song for you about inspiration. Do you hear what I hear? Because we're going to hear more inspiration in a minute from one of the No Diabetes by Heart ambassadors. Stay tuned. But right now, let's listen to more Yolanda Adams off her What a Wonderful Time album, courtesy of Sony Music.
2: Let the night wind to the little...
1: Back with Diabetes later, And I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and that's our Diva inspiration for December, Yolanda Adam. You know, um, this is my last podcast for the decade. We're continuing after. Don't worry, we're in our ninth year. Can't wait to make it to 10. But um, I do want to just reflect on something. Back in 2003, when I found my former boss, Luther Vandross, in his apartment after suffering a stroke, I was completely dumbfounded that... Diabetes could cause a stroke, and I know uh, for a long time I lived with a lot of regret and anger about not not being aware of the link between the two, which is why when my friend Lauren Murphy from Berenger Ingelheim called me last year about doing something around the link between heart disease and diabetes, I wanted to take that on because I knew what it was like to be surprised by something, and I wanted to... Uh, educate and empower people to keep their house at home around the idea of uh, the link between diabetes and heart disease. Because I think when you know more, you do more. And so uh, that's what launched clued in the first ever diabetes and heart health escape room. And uh, it, we're coming back, like I said earlier at the show, in, um, on Diabetes Alert Day in March. In the meantime, uh, I was so lucky and fortunate within that to work with No Diabetes by Heart, which is this new program that the American Heart Association and the American Diabetes Association have teamed up about to really raise uh, the awareness for the link between heart disease and diabetes. And I think what you, how you do that best is when you have people tell their stories and we find out, uh, how this impacted because I know when I tell my story uh, of being a caregiver for Luther Vandross, people kind of wake up. Well, this next person on our show, this next guest that I'm so excited to have, I got to see her earlier this month in New York City when she was at the launch for this incredible initiative and being one of their first uh, years of their um, of their ambassadors, and she was in her mid-40s when her life Quickly change. So please welcome to the show, Christina Herrera. Hello, Christina.
0: Hi, Max.
1: So glad to have you on the show tonight and talk about this very important topic. Uh, I know it's our holiday show, so but I think, I think I've read with Christmas and the holidays, so I think I've read with heart disease. And uh, yes. you know, um, first of all, I just want to congratulate you for uh, your testimonial when I saw you a couple weeks ago in New York City where you're really talking to people about what happened to you because you're like many of my listeners. You have a family history of diabetes and suddenly mm-hmm. some things that you, thought you had under control changed very quickly. And um, I'm just going to leave it at that and let you explain the rest.
0: Uh, you're right Uh, we thought that you know this wasn't at least I didn't think this was going to affect me at all I I, like I mentioned in my presentation I you know I was hoping to fly right under the radar uh, you know thinking that you know I was the athletic one I was the healthier one out of the whole family uh, but uh, it it caught up to me you know Uh, you know like your last listener your last speaker was saying you know, it was my eating and drinking habits that I wasn't really paying attention to. And because of that, um, I was not under the radar anymore.
1: <clears throat> Here you were with a family. We should tell everyone you have a family history of diabetes. Is it uh, type 2 with your siblings and your parents, type 1 diabetes?
0: Both of my parents were type 1, and so was my sister Jessica. She was also type 1 diabetic. Um and so so when, uh, you
1: go ahead. Had, You're you're Latina, we should tell everyone. And so you um you went to your doc you went through your doctor and you found out um as I remember that you were pre diabetes or were you diagnosed with type two diabetes?
0: I was pre diabetic uh, before my uh triple bypass. And um and so that kind of sparked me into, okay, maybe I need to start doing you know, start being more proactive with you know, what I'm eating, watch watch my sugars, um, watch what I'm drinking, um, you know, to, and start a workout routine, uh, which I did. I, I really tried. And <laughs> like most people, you know, life catches up. And um, but it was that one day then I finally got to work and I was completely exhausted and it was just early morning. And after, after that, it was Okay. Um, I I needed to be uh, on top of it and had to be more intentional with my foods and drinks and definitely my
6: sugars.
1: And that went on for a little while and then you were having other symptoms, correct? Which led to what you're about to tell us about being in the hospital.
0: Well, you know, it was um, one of those, you know, you, you think you're just exhausted. You know, you think that, Oh, maybe I didn't get enough rest last night, but it it's it you know you start sweating, and uh, you start feeling the heart palpitations, and you know you 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 start wondering oh like okay what's next? Um, maybe I can I can still keep going today before you know someone's telling me on the phone go see your your school nurse, and sure enough uh, I, I think as soon as she told me that my high my my blood pressure was you know she that she was scared herself that she needed to call an ambulance for me uh, that's when I was like okay she's not playing with me um I need to do something I need to go to the doctor even though I hesitated because you know uh, the life of a teacher it just it just never it never ends it's it's ongoing um and so I I almost hesitated too and you know because you know you, you don't want things going on without you <laughs> But um, but no, I, I I listened and I got to the hospital right away wow. and and as, and as soon as uh the doctor you know started asking me questions about my family's history, I was, you know, they looked at me like, wait a minute, you know, you and and luckily there were there wasn't any heart damage at that point once I reached the emergency room and uh, from there, it, you know, they were just asking questions and I'm like, oh, they're going to let me go soon, right? They're going to release me. I'm just fine. Maybe it was a panic attack. Uh but no, it um they they asked me to stay for observations and you know, it's, it's good that they did. It's really good that they did.
1: Because then it led to
0: it it led to, you know, the the, my surgery it, it led to surgery, and right after that, uh, to my diagnosis.
1: You had a triple. Uh, we can tell everyone you had a triple bypass. You had a triple bypass surgery in your mid 40s.
0: I was, I was, uh, yes, I'm still for in my mid 40s. I'm 40, 45, no, uh, but I was, um, I was, I, I had my triple bypass. At first, they did tell me it was a double that there were two blocked arteries. And at that point, it was like, you know, you know, when you're listening to Charlie Brown's parents and their teachers, you know, everything's like mumbled and jumbled up. And um, I really didn't believe it, you know, like, uh, they got to be pulling my leg here. But um, no, it was it was real. He looked at me and said, you're not going back to work. And uh, that's when I was like, OK, I haven't been serious enough to take care of this, you know and um it was uh, so yeah i was i was in the hospital for a week i i didn't i i didn't stay there long enough i didn't want to uh i remember my nurse whispering in my ear uh you know if you stay here long it's going to be a long recovery you know so let's get up and sure enough it was if it wasn't for them um i i'd still be feeling sorry for myself somewhere along the way and um well i no, to ask you
1: I, about I, that a lot of our listeners uh, have said over the years, and this is our last show of the decade, um, <laughs> how they felt like their body let them down and they mm-hmm. were feeling sorry for themselves. And it, this isn't just about uh, they haven't been diagnosed with, uh, they didn't go through a surgery like you, but this sometimes is based on, uh, like Anthony said, maybe a pre-diabetes diagnosis or a type 1 diagnosis or a type 2 diagnosis. And I want to know, like, uh, if you could tell it, because you, you shared it so eloquently on stage, and I know it's hard sometimes to rehash this, but what what was it that when you were in that hospital bed that really kind of sparked this desire? Because the transformation that occurs after that you're living now is so remarkable. And I'm, I'm just wondering what you would say to listeners, because there's people out there right now who are feeling that way. They want right. to feel sorry for them. They're, they want to know why this happened to them or and they they can't get out of that you know
0: um that's that is really hard i'm not going to lie to you i think that's really hard to answer because it it has to come from within um you know i think when i when i was showing my um my slides you know the the presentation uh, the powerpoint with with my speech uh, i think this this inner athlete that I always thought I was was uh, she was in there and I don't think I had ever really tapped into her potential and so I think that was my Rocky moment I'm not going to lie to you Um, one of my nurses her name was Rocky and I was like wait a minute you know (laughs) something's telling me something you know and and I've always been that athlete in the family and and it, it was somewhere inside that. Spoke to me, and, and then to have my nurse's name's Rocky, it was like, you know what? Here's my Rocky moment, and and I had to, I really had to dig in and 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 find her, and and uh, but it's it's not easy to tell someone, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself, you know, but um, it's it, you you got to find her, you know, you got to find her, you got to find him. What was it that, you know, you know has given you that inner grit to keep moving, you know, um,
1: the and fact that, you know. that I, is like the, that is the next theme to your story because coming up this weekend you have some exciting news about just how much moving you have been doing <laughs> since that time. So tell everyone about this, this new part so, of your life.
0: So, yeah, uh, I've been running um, for the last year. Uh, I started my running life, I guess you could say, with uh, the BMW here in Dallas, and um, uh, I kind of made that my inaugural, you know, return for my Model 2, <laughs> and uh, so this Saturday, I'll be running my, I've been running 5Ks uh, this last year, but this Saturday, I actually stepped it up a notch, and I'll be running my first 10K. Uh, I remember when I, when I crossed the finish line, uh, when I ran the first one, the very first uh, 5K, which was the BMW, um, my champion, Juanita, uh, as soon as I finished, she goes, you're going to want to run longer. You're going to want to to keep that high going. And she goes, trust me. And I looked at her. I'm like, you're crazy. There's no way, you know, that I'm going to want to run for longer distance. And I've challenged myself, you know. It's been one of those. And and she was right. I, I don't want to lose that natural high, <laughs> and uh, it's 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 been driving me to push my body, to see what my body and what my heart can do. Um, I even went back to my well, doctor to double check.
1: I mean, it is really encouraging. It's great to tell other people about that because I, I just did a run myself in New York and the turkey trot, I feel those runs really do motivate you as much as people out there listening may think I could never do that. I would never want it. How far right. could that possibly be? The truth is you, did you, you do get kind of caught up in the excitement and when you see that mm-hmm. many people running it kind of makes you want to run. Do you agree with that?
0: I definitely agree. And then when you start hearing other people's story, their health journeys, you're like, wait a minute, you know, and they're running, you know, now, you know, Juanita, you know, she's running Iron Man's, half Iron Man's. You're like, What? No wait, that where is that coming from? You know, I want that energy. I want that high. And so you you, you go out looking for it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, Christina, you were awfully cool on that stage, but Diva Better, it's our it's our last podcast of the decade and we thought we love to raise awareness for diabetes and heart health in a fun new way. And we'd like you to play our game tonight, Our Favorite Thing. These are
2: of my favorite
1: things. So, in order to play this game, we've got to bring back our fabulous Patricia Addison. Oh, la la. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for changing into that red beaded gown. You look fabulous over there. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, so this is how it works, Christina, the No Diabetes by Heart ambassador. We're going to read okay. you a question with multiple choice answers, and uh, you'll give your answer, and then we'll find out if you got it right or wrong, and Patricia will give us uh, the correct answer to help educate and empower everyone else listening. At the end of this game, I want to tell you that <laughs> we have a big prize with a guest star uh, for you in store. So it's one of our favorite mm-hmm. things for our list of 2019. Here's your first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Practicing portion control is an important part of eating healthy to manage your blood sugars. Uh, take the que- guesswork out of measuring by using a food scale, which is on our favorite things list. But right now, which is the recommended serving of rice? Do you think it's mm-hmm. one quarter cup, a third cup, or one half cup? What's uh, what is a recommended serving of rice? No diabetes by mm-hmm. heart ambassador, Christina. We're gonna give you the drum roll. Wow! Final answer: I'm one gonna... quarter cup, one third, cup? one third. Cup.
0: One quarter cup.
1: Is that your final answer?
0: Oh, oh yes, it's my final answer.
1: Oh uh, Patricia uh has got the <laughs> Oh <laughs> Patricia, what is that? Wow you're okay, on that one. Okay, Christina.
3: Wow. The answer for that, the correct answer would be one third cup. Although one life third. is a carbohydrate and you do have to be uh cognizant of the amount the serving size and you know portions that you use, but you can have uh just a little more, one third cup.
0: Is okay. one serving size. One third.
1: <laughs> So you were close, that was pretty good. She was really, you know, staying low With really? that, which oh. was great went, went At least you right, weren't over
2: Yes, at least I wasn't over I'm going back to Yolanda These are a few of my
1: I think we all love to relax in the bath, but if you have diabetic neuropathy, it could be difficult to know how hot your bath water is. Is it too hot? Mm. That's why a thermometer is on our favorite things list to give you more accurate reading. What's the maximum temperature bath water should be to prevent injuries, Christina? Oh my goodness. Is
2: it hundred degrees, hundred and five degrees
1: and or hundred and ten degrees and in- you know, uh, Patricia, this quiz is really hard tonight. <laughs> oh, la la! Oh, she loves to do that. All right, so here it is. That uh, what's, hard. That, what's the maximum temperature bath water should be to prevent injury? Is it 100 degrees, 105 degrees, or 110 degrees?
0: I'm going to go with 105.
1: Is that your final answer? <laughs>
0: should it be a, should I no, I'll I'll stick
3: with 105 Yay, you got that right Um the feet can be extremely extra sensitive and not you may not have the sensation if you do have neuropathy caused by diabetes and so that's why it's important not to have the water too hot because you may not be able to sense and uh it can scald you can cause severe Ooh. injury mm,
2: that's
0: but 105
3: point. is the correct answer
2: excellent
1: <laughs> all right now uh we're going to bring in our special guest elizabeth with the world's most famous diabetes alert dog tabooly hello elizabeth
7: <laughs> hey how are you max hello everybody hi
1: Thanks for being on the show. So, Christina, one of our favorite things for 2019 is this new, wonderful book about Tabooli, the Diabetes Alert Dog. And everyone's asking, Elizabeth, is Tabooli a real dog?
7: Tabooli is very much a real dog. He is an American dog. In other words, he's a mutt, but we don't tell him that because it would upset him. But he is a (laughs) Dachshund Terrier mix. And started training with world-renowned trainer Debbie K when he was six years old, which is pretty late for a diabetes alert dog to start training. Mm-hmm. But he is amazing. And he travels and so, everywhere. Uh, he is... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And he
1: helps you, he helps you manage your type 1 diabetes, right? He wow. does.
7: He alerts to low blood sugars only, which is a good thing, because I don't know if anybody else has a high. I can be high for quite a long time, and You don't want a dog alerting on you all day long, make you crazy. So he's trained Mm -hmm. to alert to low blood sugar, which can be rectified very quickly.
1: I love it. So one of Elizabeth's favorite things are diabetes assist dogs, and uh, they're trained to monitor smell the air of a specific sense of the human breath, which relates, like she said, to rapidly dropping uh, low blood sugars. (laughs) They're trained to alert the person with diabetes, but sometimes, like Elizabeth said, they might alert someone else uh, around them who's also experienced low blood sugar. The question is, Christina, and you could now phone a friend with Elizabeth if you want to for this answer which breed of dog is considered the easiest to train? Is it A, the German Shepherd, B, the Labrador Retriever, or C, the Jack Russell or diabetes assisted? Uh, help as a dog. So, your question is, which breed of dog is considered the easiest one to train? A, German Shepherd, B, Labrador Retriever, C, the Jack Russell.
2: I'm going to go with the Lab.
1: With the Labrador? Yes. And what do you think, Elizabeth? I'm just curious. Do you agree with her or do you disagree?
7: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Right on. Do you
7: agree? Well, the reason being that yeah. there oh, there's a thing from Patricia. Oh they yeah, she right won Tricia?
3: that one for sure. They got it right. They are both right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Labradors are highly versatile dogs, and they tend to be easier to train than many of the other breeds. So that is the correct answer.
2: I yeah, we
1: should tell everyone though that that's not the only dog because, like you said, your dog is a mutt, Elizabeth. And not only did they did he help you, uh, does he help you currently with your diabetes, but he also helped your uh, husband uh, with his dementia. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that? Tabuli is an amazing dog. But
7: when my husband died of dementia six years ago, and I needed help with him. So, Tabuli was also and still is a registered bonded therapy dog. So, when Paul got to the point where I needed help, he, dementia patients will shuffle their feet and when I I would take him out with Tabuli, I would give him the leash and tell Tabuli to pick up his pace, meaning the dog's pace, and Paul would walk to the pace that the dog set, which was great. Also, when Paul would try to get up at night, Tabuli would wake me up so he never fell. And if we were shopping... And I needed to check out at the store. I could put him in a hard sit stay, give Paul a leash if he tried to wander, the dog would brace against him, and it was like being tethered to a twenty two pound living cinder block, so he didn't get to go anywhere but um and he was a companion dog. That's how he started out. I wasn't diagnosed with as a type one diabetic so I was sixty seven and I'm now almost seventy two so this is kind of chakaroon because it wasn't in – nobody in my family had this crazy disease. And, you know, when they told me I had it, I said, so we can fix this, right? And they're like, mm, no. <laughs> Already then. So I said, taboo back to school. So that's when I trained with Debbie Kay, who is world-renowned scent trainer. And um, she took him on, and he was. she found him amazing because, as you say, the Labrador is so solid and so stable and so versatile. But this little red dog, she just fell in love with him and he's he alerts on people all the time and it's like kind of embarrassing to say, Excuse me, ma'am, you're diabetic like I'm some kind of freak walking around asking people their medical history. But when they you know, they'll you know it can get a little dicey. But anyway and they say yes and I said, Well are your sugars low? Well well, I don't know. I said, Well, I suggest you check it. I have a trained dog here who tells me they are low. And so this lady said, "Well, okay." And she came and found me in the store. She said, "You're right. My sugar's real low." I said, "There you go." And I don't charge for that. I said, "So uh, mm-hmm. he does alert on people in the grocery and places like that because he's. It's. I'd love to think it's personal, but it's really about the scent of low glucose that he's he's alerting to. So he's. Uh, I love it. Yeah,
1: All right. A, so here's our final.
2: These few of my.
1: Well, it's the same thing that it's at the top of our list every year, and that's spending time with our friends and family, but that requires travel. And during the holiday season, traveling can be stressful for people at risk, living with and affected by diabetes. The question tonight for both of you, Elizabeth and Mm -hmm. Christina, is can flying affect your blood sugars? Yes or no? Christina. (laughs) I'm going
0: to say yes.
1: And a little... I guess i guess say yes too. <laughs> you're you're going to say yes. <laughs> yeah, I
7: mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I really never noticed noticed a change when flying because I'm, you know, I check my sugar four again on the dogs never alerted, so I'm assuming it's not dropping. And um, but I, I guess it, I guess it can. What do you think, Christina? <laughs> well,
1: you know. Uh... Uh, no, oh. no. Oh, Patricia, you just rang the fire truck. What does
3: that mean?
1: <laughs> so you see, Tabuli has done a about. wonderful job because
3: he hasn't alerted, and that's because no. there is no direct evidence that altitudes can cause low blood sugar. But we do know, <laughs> we do know that altitude symptoms can. Feel quite similar. So, you know, as, mm. as maybe you are having a low blood sugar because of dizziness, anxiety, and the different kind right. of symptoms that you may have, but it's not actually a low blood sugar. Also, <laughs> increased exercise if you're hiking, walking a lot in the high altitude, that can definitely lead to a low, like walking in the stress mm. through the airports, that type thing. But the altitude change itself has no direct
1: effect on a low blood sugar. So it's my anxiety and, and
2: that sister,
1: kicks what's in. General, uh, Patricia, what's the general rule of thumb when you're traveling with diabetes around medication? Uh, do you, how much should you take and uh, should you be worried about getting going through security?
3: So you should hmm. take enough medication to last uh, throughout your trip um, and you take extra. I would take at least maybe even two weeks or so and it's a good idea to have letters from your doctor on the doctor's letterhead in case there is something that may be suspicious as you're going through TSA uh, Mm -hmm. so that you can be identified as a person with diabetes also your alert bracelet is wonderful to um, you know indicate that you do have diabetes Um, before you leave make sure that You have handwritten prescriptions. Um, Make sure that you know where pharmacies are located at your destination. So just in case you need to get extra medicine, if there is some type of snafu where you you are there a a longer amount of time than you had anticipated. But just be prepared. Always have enough medication. Test strips. When you're flying, traveling, whatever, have your – Snacks on hand, so if you do have low blood sugar, you have your glucose tablets or extra snacks. And just be prepared for those any situation that may occur. You also have to think about, depending on where you're going, your test strips, your glucose meters are real sensitive to extra heat. And so they may not function well. Uh, they won't function well if if, they're been, if they've been exposed. So you may want to carry them in something that's insulated so that um, the heat does not affect them.
7: What about cold? All,
1: All right. right. And, um, Christina, cold as for well. Yes, yeah, no, yes. For cold wellness <laughs> as, as, as well. I'm well. sorry. Okay. Christina, for <laughs> helping us raise awareness for yeah, diabetes, wellness, in a fun new way tonight, Elizabeth has something she wants to give you. What is it, Elizabeth?
7: It's a book about my beloved dog called <laughs> Tabouli, the story of a heart-driven diabetic alert dog. It was written by a man in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, it's a 300-page novel. It's extremely good. And it tells the story of Tabuli fictionalized through the life of a child. Because it's about a little 13-year-old that lives in Greenville, but this 13-year-old is really me, who is 72, so there is quite a bit of difference in that. But it really is a good book, and it's written about Tambouli and his journey, and the characters in the book are real. The grandfather in the book has dementia. His name is Paul, and the book is dedicated to my late husband, because it was his dementia dog prior to being my diabetic alert dog.
2: So Mm. I'm I'm
7: really excited about it. It's a very good book, and I would love to give you one. Oh,
2: thank you so All much. I
1: appreciate it. i to uh, give another copy to one of our lucky listeners later on tonight. But, Christina, Absolutely. before we wrap up the podcast, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the No Diabetes by Heart initiative and in becoming an ambassador. I think people would be fascinated to know how you got to be working alongside Angela Bassett.
0: Oh, uh, it, it was an opportunity that I saw, you know, that was scrolling through my Facebook And I saw, um, you know, wanting to become, uh, you know, if you were interested in becoming an ambassador, you know, send us a one-minute video on why. And so I I submitted that and thinking, you know, like we all do, no one's ever going to call me. You know, no, I'm never going to win anything, you know. And so, but sure enough, sure enough, I ended up receiving the phone call, the email, matter of fact, the week that my father passed away. And I was, I, you know, for me, you know, no, not that I walk around, you know, believing in all these signs, but to me that was the, the go-ahead to, to share our, our family story, uh, our, our my health journey, and, and, and to take it as, you know, here's an opportunity to, to, to share uh, what we've been through as a family and, and to share that, that, that um, connection to diabetes and, and heart disease with everyone else. And so I'm so glad I submitted that one minute video.
1: (laughs) I am too. I thought your story was so powerful. We should tell everyone that they could get more valuable resources about this at nodiabetesbyheart.org. That's no with a K. So nodiabetesbyheart.org. You can find more about Christina as as well as the stories of all the other fabulous ambassadors in this great initiative. I want to thank Elizabeth. I want to thank Christina. I want to thank Janice and Dr. Rope for being a part of tonight's podcast, as well as Anthony. And I want to thank you, listeners, for, oh my gosh, a decade of podcasting. I can't believe it. Patricia, 10 years almost of podcasting. It's incredible, isn't it, that we did this?
3: It is incredible. I can't believe it.
1: (laughs) How awesome! And we've done it in partnership with Sony Music, bringing great music to life and using it to help inspire and inform others to take charge of their health, just like you heard Christina, uh, Anthony, and Elizabeth tonight. Hey, next month we're going where no one's ever gone before in music. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, Patricia, but I've become an opera fan. So next month, and the year of the diva continues, we're going to be featuring music from, yes, the one and only diva herself, Maria Callas. I can't wait. Lots of drama that night. So uh, you might want to get rid of that red beaded dress and wear something much more colorful <laughs> for the state. In the meantime, please visit Diva Medic's Facebook page and videos on Mr. Diva YouTube channel. Tune into to 175 podcasts available on demand anytime, anywhere at iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Remember, every diva has an entourage, and we're so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and healthy together and celebrate a new decade with Dazzle. Uh, We're going to close the show with December's Diva Inspiration, Yolanda Adams, and an original song. Patricia, this is for you. Our gospel superstar is singing Hold On.
2: There's nothing that you can't Nothing